0: And we started a new message series a couple of weeks ago called Faith Builders. And this series, I really felt like God led us to do this. I wasn't planning on doing this series in August. I had a different uh, series in mind we'll maybe do later. I thought it was kind of cool. It's a cool idea, but God said it's not time for that. And this is where he led me. And this series is all about how to build up our faith and apply it to our everyday living. So we learn how to live as people of faith. So we do not just to say we, we have faith. What does that look like when you're living by faith? And not by sight. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. It says without faith it is impossible to please God. You know what that tells me? That tells me that we will never become the people that we are called to be as individuals following Jesus. Individual Christ followers or the church of Jesus Christ. We will never become what he's called us to be until we raise our faith level to believe God for what he's called us to and what he has for us. And that's what this series is all about. It's designed to encourage your faith in God. It's designed to get you to stop looking at what's right in front of you and start looking at what's above you and what God is doing in your life. And boy, is this timely because we need faith in God more than ever right now in our world. And so today, as we continue our series, I want to look at the faith of another Bible character that's mentioned right here in Hebrews chapter 11. It's a man by the name of Moses. And so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Hebrews 11 with me, we're going to be uh, right there in the middle of the chapter today looking at the life of Moses. But I believe his life of faith can encourage us to live with big faith in our own lives. And uh, let's pray and ask God to just minister his word to our hearts today. Father, we thank you again for your presence that's in this place. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come together as the church As the people of God and worship you, Lord, we know that there are nations right now in the world where this is illegal, where if they meet in person and they get found out about it, they'll be killed. And some of them are meeting anyway, God. And so, Lord, I I want us to remember how precious this is, that we can come together, that we've got freedom to do this. And Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth today, your Holy Spirit would go forth in power to save and heal and set free, God, that you would apply your word to our hearts and we would grow and become more like Jesus. And we give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to give you seven faith lessons we learned from the life of Moses right here in Hebrews chapter 11. Seven, because that is the Lord's number and it is the perfect number if you want to know the truth. but The writer of Hebrews first mentions Moses beginning in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 by talking about his parents. Let's look at that verse together in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. This is what the scripture says. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, If you're like me and you grew up in church, you probably remember this part of Moses' story. And if you didn't grow up in church, maybe you've seen the movie The Prince of Egypt because they get into it too. It's a great movie. My kids love it. But Moses, his parents, they had to hide him when he was born because the pharaoh in Egypt had decided that all the male babies born to Hebrew slaves in Egypt must be thrown in the Nile River and killed as soon as they were born. Now, you might be wondering, well, why would he do such a harsh thing? They, they were afraid that the slaves, the Hebrews, would become so overpopulated that they would then overpower the Egyptians. And so this was his solution to this dilemma. We need to start killing the children. We need to throw them into the Nile River. And you know, it seems that whenever God is getting ready to bring about a deliverance for his people, this is how the enemy tries to stop it. He tries to kill a generation of children. He first tried it when Moses was born. Moses was called by God to lead the people in slavery out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt and into the land that God promised to give to Abraham and his descendants. It's what we talked about last week when we talked about Abraham. That land that God promised, this land is yours, it's going to be for your children. God said, I've got children in Egypt. They're not supposed to be there. They're supposed to be here. This is their land. And God said, I'm going to move them there. He called Moses to put them in that place. And the name Moses literally means to draw out. Now, he was named Moses because he was drawn out of the water. His, his mother put him in a basket, you remember, and, 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 and set him down the, uh, the Nile on a wing in a prayer, hoping that he would somehow survive. And he was found by the daughter of Pharaoh. And so she drew him out of the water, so she named him Moses. But his name carries more significance than just that because Moses was anointed and destined to draw the people of God out of the land of the Nile and put them in and and lead them into the land of promise. He was called by God to draw them out of slavery and into freedom. Moses was the first deliverer of the people of God, and the enemy tried to stop him before he could even get started by killing him as an infant, but the enemy failed to stop the move of God. And then the enemy tried it again when Jesus was born. You remember that part of the story. The name Jesus literally means the one who saves his People. And Jesus was born once again to deliver the people again, not physically like Moses did. This time it was from spiritual slavery. Jesus came to take us from the place of defeat and hopelessness and, and death and give us everlasting life and give us hope that never runs out and give us victory for all time. He came to turn slaves into sons and daughters of God, and the enemy tried to stop that from happening too. But again, you can't stop a move of God, and the enemy is trying you it again in our day as well, and you have to wonder why he's doing this again. It's estimated that there's been 62 million abortions since the Roe v. Wade decision was made, the law of the land. What's going on? Why is that happening? I'll tell you what's going on. Satan is doing his very best to silence a generation, to once again kill off a move of God. But I've got news for him and news for everybody else. He is failing again, because even in the midst of this evil that's been allowed to persist in our land for so long. There is a remnant that has been preserved, and they have been preserved to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living, and I believe in my core today, in my heart today, that there is a move of God that is being unleashing on the earth. Sons and daughters are taking their place, and once again, we are going to see the deliverance of the Lord on the earth, because despite the enemy's strongest efforts, you can't stop a move of God. But in order to escape the order of Pharaoh, this is what Moses' parents did, they hid him. They hid him for three months in their house, and then they put him in a basket and sent him down the Nile. You could say they protected him from the harm that was said against him. And they did that by faith, according to the Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. And that's the first first faith lesson. I'm going to do that a lot today. It sounds like I have a lisp. That's the first faith lesson. One time I called Facebook Facebook, and I was just being funny. I was like, oh, Christians should start a Facebook. And somebody just thought I had a lisp. They're like, Facebook. Oh, that's funny. Anyway, okay. That's the first faith lesson we learned from the life of Moses today. Faith, in this case, the face of his, faith of his parents. Somebody, somebody run a count how many times I'm going to do this. Just keep it up. In this case, the faith of his parents, watch this, it protected and preserved his life. It protected and preserved his life. Now, let me talk to the parents for just a second because we have to do the same thing for our children. And I love that uh, God just sort of dropped this into my spirit. Uh, and just worked it out where it's the same day we're dedicating children because this is so pertinent. The Bible says that when his parents saw him, they saw that he was no ordinary child. And listen, this is for every single one of us who are trying to parent our children in a godly way. When we are, when we see our kids, we must see that they are not just ordinary kids. They are children with a calling of God on their lives. They are destined to do great things for God. And we, just like the parents of Moses, must Faith, hide them from the enemy who has come to only still kill and destroy. We must protect them from the influences that are seeking to harm them. We must guard them and protect them. And in so doing, we are preserving their lives. Now, listen to me hiding them does not mean that we insulate their entire existence and never let them leave the safety of our homes or the safety of our eyes. It means that we fill their hearts with the knowledge of God so that as they grow and mature, they learn how to crave him more than the things of the world. That's what David was talking about in Psalm chapter 119 verse 11 when he said this. He said, "I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you." And that's what it means to hide them. It means to hide the word of God in their hearts. It means that we teach them and show them what is right so that when they see that something is not right, they know the difference. It means that we tell them the truth and we live out the truth in front of them so they can spot the lies of the world when they see them. Our children are not ordinary. They are a gift from God. They are anointed for such a time as this. They are a Joshua generation. Oh, they have! I feel this. They have an anointing and a calling of God on their life to turn the tide of culture, to turn the hearts of the people back to God. God is raising up a generation of kids that are going to transform and change this world. Come on. And it's our job to promote them and push them and raise them up so that when they get ready to step out in faith, they go way further than we ever dreamed we could. Come on and give him praise for that. We raise them and we guard the anointing that's on their life because that anointing makes them a target to the enemy. That's what parenting in faith looks like. The writer of Hebrews goes on as he's telling us about the faith of Moses. He reveals another lesson that we can see, and this is the second point. Faith helped him see his true identity and purpose. The faith of Moses, the faith that he demonstrated, helped him see his true identity and purpose. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. The Scripture says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, it was Pharaoh's daughter that pulled Moses from the Nile River when he was just three months old. And that was God's plan. You know, that was a, it was a miracle that somebody found that child. Uh, that was God's plan for her to find him. But she found him at three months old and pulled him out of the Nile. It was Pharaoh's daughter who named him, not realizing how prophetic his name would be. And she raised him in the house of her father, Pharaoh. She raised him under the family name, Of Pharaoh. She raised him with all the privileges of royalty in Egypt, and she was doing everything she could to make sure that Moses' identity was Egyptian and not Hebrew. But what she didn't know is that God had a better plan for his life than to be called a child of Egypt. And while the family name she tried to give him was under Pharaoh, means the oppressor, the one who oppresses the people of God. The Bible says in Exodus chapter two that Moses' real mom and dad were descendants from the tribe Of Levi. See, in the nation of Israel, every son of Israel, every tribe was given a blessing and a task to complete for the betterment of the whole nation. And the Levites and all their descendants, watch this, they were called and positioned to be the priests in Israel. That means that they were called to minister to God on behalf of the people and minister to the the people on behalf of God. So while Pharaoh's daughter tried to label Moses a child of Pharaoh. God had already called him to be a priest and a prophet to the nation. And by faith, after Moses grew up, he chose to reject the life and the label that was handed to him in Egypt in favor of the life that God had called him to. And if we're going to be people of faith, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to reject the labels and the identities that the world is constantly trying to heap on us. And they've been trying to heap a lot on us over the last couple of years. They want to label you by your race. They want to label you by your socioeconomic status. They want to label you by all of these things. Well, guess what? If I'm a child of God, that is the only label I need. I am in Christ Jesus. He is in me. You can call me privileged. You can call me white. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But at the end of the day, every blessing I'm walking in is because of the blessing of God on my life. I understand who I am because I know who I am in him. And that's what Moses did. He rejected the label of the world and said, the only label I'm going to wear is the label that God has given me. Hebrews 11.25 goes on and says that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And see, this is what I want you to know today. When you choose to live a life of faith, that choice will almost always carry with it a sacrifice. To choose to live a life of faith, it will almost always require a sacrifice. And look what Moses did. He sacrificed his life in Egypt. All the comforts that were afforded him by being a member of the royal family, all the power, wealth, and notoriety he had at his disposal, he sacrificed all of that and chose instead to be counted as a slave along with the people of God. And when he did that, people probably thought he had lost his mind. They probably thought he was crazy. But Moses was living by faith and his faith caused him to see something better up ahead than what he was walking away from. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse 26 kind of gets into that because it says he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And his reward in God was greater than what the treasure in Egypt could offer him. I love this verse because it really tells us what the motivation behind Moses walking in faith was. It says, watch this, that he went through the disgrace of walking away for all he had for the sake of Christ. Now, just think about that for a minute. Because at first glance, you might think you read that wrong. Or you might think that's a typo. That's one of those mistakes in the Bible I keep hearing about. That doesn't make any sense. Christ wasn't born yet. Moses was born a long time before Christ was born. He wasn't around then. So what in the world is this scripture trying to tell us? Well, it's the same message we looked at last week when we talked about the faith story of Abraham. The Bible said, Jesus said in John chapter 8, that Abraham rejoiced at the sight of Jesus. Abraham, he rejoiced at the sight of the day of Jesus walking on the earth. Abraham was living by faith, and it caused him to look forward to the coming of the Messiah because Jesus was the fulfillment, the real fulfillment of every promise that God really ever made to him, and Moses is doing the same thing. He was looking beyond his present situation, and through eyes of faith, he saw there is a deliverer who is going to come from heaven, and when he gets to the earth, he's going to liberate the people of God from all bondage to sin and death. And so he chose to become a slave for Christ in favor of all the treasures of Egypt. And the reason why is because through eyes of faith he saw that the promise of Jesus Christ was greater than the reward that Egypt could offer him or produce. And friend, if you're going to live like faith like Moses did, you've got to do the same thing. We've got to be willing to lay down the wealth and riches and empty promises of this world In favor of the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you live by faith, when you really live by faith, listen to me, you don't claim to be in Christ in one hand and claim to be of the world on the other hand. Living by faith means that you have abandoned everything for the sake of Jesus Christ. It's why the disciples, the Bible says, they left all to follow him. That's what it looks like to make a decision of faith. Because by faith, you believe that everything you're walking towards and everything that he has for you is better and more profitable than anything the world could ever give to you. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, when he said this, he said, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8 says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. And then he goes on and says, And be found in him. See, we can't fully claim Christ until we're willing to lose all things for the sake of Christ. We can't claim to be living by faith if we're still, listen to me, if we're still depending on Egypt to meet all of our needs. The Bible says that all my needs are met according to his riches, the riches in Christ Jesus. So you've got to make a decision. Am I looking to Egypt? Am I looking to the government? Am I looking to my parents? Am I looking to my friends? Do I need all of that? Or is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for me? Listen, the world will try and entice you with empty promises. Promises of wealth and happiness. Promises of prosperity. Promises of ease and comfort. It's all a lie. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. And nothing this world offers us can compare to the riches of simply knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. I want to be clear about this. If Jesus never does anything else for you for the rest of your life, he's already done enough for you to leave it all behind and follow him all the way to glory. Nothing compares to him. So stop holding on to the things of the world as if you've got something worth holding on to. The Bible says it's all going to fade away anyway. It's all corruptible. You're not going to take it with you to wherever you go in the afterlife. You can't take it with you. It doesn't matter. By faith, start taking hold of Jesus. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the balm of Gilead. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He owns it all. Even still, he's the God who saves and the God who redeems and the God who heals and the God who sets me free. Listen to me. There is nothing that compares to Jesus. Nothing even comes close. And when we live by faith, that's what we get. We get Jesus. And nothing else matters. Because when we have him, we've got everything we need. You say, how is that possible? Well, Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when he said, if you'll seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you as well. See, it's when we get focused on all these things and we miss the, the source of all these things. See, when you, focus, when you, when you just focus on Jesus, and you make him the Lord of your life and you realize he's everything. He supplies every need that you have. And so people of faith, they're not trying to hold on to Jesus with one hand and trying to hold on to the things of the world with the other. Our faith in Him is in who He is and what He's done, and it compels us to forsake everything else to follow Him. And Moses understood that. And verse 27 says that with eyes of faith, Moses saw Him who is invisible. See, his faith in what God was going to do through Jesus, propelled him into living out God's purpose and calling for his life right then and there. And I want you to see this. Check this out with me in the scripture. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. We call that the Pentateuch. And we know that Moses was the author of those first five books. He was the first prophet to Israel. And look at what the scripture says Jesus did in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. This is amazing. It says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets." Jesus explained to the disciples what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. So while Moses probably didn't understand it fully at the time, all that he wrote down in those first five books of the Old Testament were revealing Christ so that people would recognize him when he came. And Jesus sat down with his disciples and he pointed out how everything that Moses wrote down pointed to him. You can't do that. You, listen, you can't point others to Jesus if you're not yourself walking by faith. And that's what Moses was doing. I love John chapter 1 verse 45 as well. He's talking about two disciples here, Philip and Nathaniel. It says, Philip found Nathanael and he told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. What's he talking about? See, Moses by faith, he saw him who was invisible. He saw Jesus prophetically and he wrote what he would become. He wrote that he was, he was the, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundations of the earth. He wrote that he would be the deliverer of God's people. He wrote that he would be the one that would step on the head of the serpent and crush Satan under his feet. Moses saw it prophetically, and he called it out so that when Jesus showed up on the scene, people recognized he is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He's the one that Moses was talking about. Moses saw him who was invisible. We're talking about the faith of Moses as detailed in Hebrews 11. Let me give you another lesson of faith that we learn from his life. It's this. Faith allowed him to overcome his fear. His faith allowed him to overcome fear. Look with me at Hebrews eleven twenty-seven. It says, By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. See, it was Moses' faith that caused him to overcome the fear that would have been induced in anybody else. It was his faith in God that caused him to walk away from the house of Pharaoh and identify himself with the Hebrew slaves, but it was also his faith in God that caused him to return back to Egypt years later and stand toe-to-toe with the king in Egypt and demand that, the, that he release the people of God from slavery and let them go free. You have to understand this today. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world at that time, and nobody told him what to do. Nobody made demands on him. Even his own family would not tell him what to do because they knew that they would be put to death if they did that. Anybody who came up to him and said, you're going to do this and you're going to like it, Pharaoh would just snap his fingers and somebody would throw a spear right through him. Knowing that, Moses still walked into that palace and boldly spoke of the, the word of the Lord to him without fear Of death or retribution? How does that happen? How does someone find the courage to do something like that? Well, that's what happens when you walk by faith. Your faith overcomes your fears. And this is a word of the Lord for people in this day and age right now. Listen to me. We have been scared into silence. We are scared to speak against the edicts of the kings of this world. We have become scared to speak And stand up for truth. We are scared to stand up for righteousness. We are scared because we've been conditioned to bow down to fear. And our voice has been silenced. Our influence has been diminished. And the enemy is having his way in the world right now because the people of faith, the people of God, have grown silent. Listen to me. It's time for the church to rise up and take our place in faith again. And just like Moses, what do we do? We boldly declare the word of the Lord. We don't fear the repercussions of the kings of this world. We don't fear the attacks of the darkness around us. Our faith in God is greater than than the empty threats of the enemy. And it's time for the people of God to stop shrinking back and start stepping up and speak forth the word of the Lord. Not our own ideas, not our own political ideology. I am so tired of that mess. Speak what's in the word of God. It's got life, it's got power. Stop getting on social media and blabbering about it. This wouldn't have happened if so. You know, who cares about all that stuff? Why don't you just tell people what the word of God says? Because there's still hope and there's still life and there's still faith when God moves. When we see deception, we speak truth to it. When we see injustice, we speak out about it. When we see unrighteousness, we refuse to accept it, and we point people to what true righteousness is. We point people to Jesus. Our faith compels us in this hour to open our mouths and become as bold as lions. Come on, hear me, church. We cannot be silent any longer. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 39 says this, it says, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Some of us are crippled by fear right now. Some of us are paralyzed by fear. We've been stuck in this place of fear for over a year now. Listen, you can't live by faith and live by fear at the same time. Those two ideas are diametrically opposed to one another. And whatever you give preference to will overpower the other. Let me show you this in scripture. You remember the story where the disciples were out on the the sea and there was a storm in the middle of the night and Jesus was asleep and they were all freaking out. They were literally losing their minds because they thought they were going to die. And Jesus is just sleeping right through it. They're like, somebody wake him up. And they're like, I don't want to. You do it. No, you do it. I don't want to wake him up either. He's a hard sleeper. He's kind of mean when he wakes up. You know, they're all like, that's where they're at. Speaking of mean when they wake up, Carmen, though worse, I do not wake her up. I will let her be late. I don't mess with her because she comes up throwing punches. You know, I can't imagine Jesus was like that. He was probably like, why dost thou bother me? And it's probably so peaceful, just so calm. But he's asleep and they wake him up. They're like, Jesus, we're going to drown. We're all going to die. This storm is really bad. And then Jesus replied to the disciples, watch this. He said, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? See, your faith is little because you've given preference to your fear. You need to get that. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Your faith is little because you've given preference to your fear. And then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. And see, this is what happens. When you give fear a seat at the table, it will take over the whole thing and it will drive your faith out. And some of you probably struggle with fear because of what you've gone through. See, what I know is that when we go through trauma and we go through difficult things, a lot of times fear takes root in our hearts. It's not something we planned. It's not something we want. We just all of a sudden have to deal with this fear and it's there. And some of us, we're dealing with that fear. And it's not necessarily irrational fear because we've gone through something real. But listen to me. You can overcome it. You don't overcome that kind of fear by talking yourself into not being afraid anymore. You overcome fear by becoming a person of faith. When you start living by faith, it will drive the fear out of your life. I hope this is helping you today. We're looking at the life of Moses and the faith lessons that we can learn from him. Let me give you another one. Straight from his life in Hebrews 11. Number four, faith allowed him to maintain his focus. His faith allowed him to maintain his focus. Look at Hebrews eleven twenty-seven 27 with me again. It says, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. He persevered because he saw. See, just because Moses overcame his fear does not mean that it was easy for him. Moses spoke the word of the Lord to Pharaoh and Pharaoh spoke the word of Pharaoh back to Moses. You remember that? Pharaoh was sparring. He was arguing with him. He challenged him. He told him no. You remember Moses put his staff on the ground and it became a snake? And, 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 then, and then Pharaoh did it too. You remember that? It's like they're, they're going back and forth. He kicked him out of the palace. He told him no. The scripture says that Moses persevered. He did not back down. He kept coming back time and time again. He was able to do that because his faith, watch this, was not dependent on the response of Pharaoh. His faith had already been established because it was set on the God who sent him. And so no matter what he went through, he never lost sight of the object, the focus of his faith. And when we live by faith, our faith will cause us to maintain our focus. The object of our faith we will maintain that focus. And, and it's always Jesus Christ, the the. the The object of the faith of the people of God is always on Jesus. And so when my eyes never lose sight of him, my faith will not fail or falter. Let me show you this in Scripture. In Matthew chapter 14, we read about another really cool uh, miracle that Jesus did. It's the miracle of him walking on water. It might be one of my favorite miracles that Jesus does. And, And you'll remember in the story that Jesus was not the only one who walked on water that day. Anybody remember the other person who walked on water? Yeah, that's right. Peter, the crazy guy, the one that's always getting in trouble. Peter walked with him on the water. Look at it with me in Matthew chapter 14, verse 26. It says, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. Of course they were. They're always afraid. It's a ghost. They cried out in fear. Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. And walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Let me just start right there and tell you, that that takes incredible faith. So Peter was a man who understood faith. I mean, to step out of the boat and believe that you're going to walk on this water, just again, wrap your mind around that. That is incredible faith. So he steps out, starts walking towards Jesus. Watch this. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? What happened? Peter was doing great. He was walking on water. He was going straight to Jesus. What happened that caused him to sink? Well, we see it in verse 30. He saw the wind. He saw the wind, and he was afraid and began to sink. He started sinking. Watch this. He started sinking when his focus shifted from Jesus and onto his surroundings, onto the storm around him. And listen to me. This is where a lot of us find ourselves right now. We are fine until we find ourselves in a storm. We live by faith until the wind starts blowing against us. And as soon as that storm hits, our faith goes out the window. We get swallowed up in it. We get consumed by the storm. What's happening? What happened to our faith? Well, what happened is our focus shifted away from Jesus and onto the storm and 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 the minute we focus on the storm or the pressure we feel or the life circumstances that don't make sense or the attack from the enemy or what that person said or what that person did as me immediately as our focus shifts to all of that stuff watch this we start to sink in whatever we're dealing with but look how Jesus responded to Peter in that moment he said you of little faith why did you doubt his his faith was not little when he stepped out of the boat his faith was little when his focus shifted living by faith means that we are living with one single focus and it is Jesus Christ. And when he remains your primary focus, your faith in him will remain strong. The writer of Hebrews bears this out in the very next chapter. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he said, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Moses was able to persevere even under adverse circumstances because he saw him who was invisible. With eyes of faith, he saw God and he saw that victory was promised for the people of God no matter what the king said. He believed it and he persevered through it. We're talking about the faith lessons that we learn from the life of Moses in Hebrews 11. Let me give you another one. Faith covered him and kept him covered by the blood. His faith kept him covered by the blood. In Hebrews eleven twenty-eight, 28, the Bible says, By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. Let me give you some context to this in case you're not familiar with this part of the story. When Moses went back to Egypt and demanded that Pharaoh let the people go, Every time he said, hey, you got to let our people go, Pharaoh responded by telling him, no, I'm not going to let them go. And so then God would respond to Pharaoh by releasing a plague upon the land of Egypt. And the plagues were designed to let Pharaoh know that God was not playing around, that this was non-negotiable. God was letting him know, you're going to let my people go. See, Pharaoh thought he was God. He thought, there's no one greater than me. He thought he was the top dog in the whole universe, and God had to let him know that's not who you are. And so each time Pharaoh rejected Moses, God would send another plague, and with every plague it got a little bit worse. Well, finally, after nine plagues, Pharaoh still had this hardened heart, and he would not let the people go. And I want you to see this because it came with several warnings and lots of grace from God. God sent one more, and it was the worst one yet. And the tenth plague, this is what it was, he brought on the Egyptians the very thing that they did to the Israelites when Moses was born. He allowed their children to die. And the Bible says that at midnight, the angel of death passed over the land of Egypt, and as he passed through, the firstborn of all the children and all the livestock that belonged to the Egyptians were killed instantly. Now, God gave Moses specific instructions to give to the Israelites as this was going on, and he told them, Moses, the people are to mark their doors, the doors of their homes, the doorposts, with the blood Of a lamb. And as the angel of death passed over the land, wherever that angel saw the blood, he would pass over that house and would not touch them. And that's why it's called the Passover. And the Bible says that Moses kept the Passover and the application of the blood by faith. Now again, Moses did not realize it at the time probably, but everything he was doing here was foreshadowing of Jesus. And that's why we call Jesus our Passover lamb. That's why the Bible says he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And while Moses in faith applied the blood of a lamb to cover him and the people from the curse of sin and death, We can apply the blood of the lamb to cover us from the curse of sin and death as well. For them, any lamb would have done. For us, it's one lamb. It's the lamb Jesus Christ. He is the lamb of God, and he came to take away our sin. And here's how this story applies to you and me. Living by faith in Jesus causes us and keeps us covered by his blood. And listen to me today. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power in his blood to heal us. There is power in his blood to redeem. There is power to set us free. We have power over our past because of his blood. We have power over any attack from the enemy or any curse he may be trying to bring against us because of the blood of Jesus. The blood is the agent. It is the thing that protects us and keeps us safe and free from harm. And the old saints back in the day used to say this when they would pray. They would say, I plead the blood. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? I plead the blood. And most of the time when they said it, they would shake their head and they would point their finger. I plead the blood. Oh, I plead the blood of Jesus. And, you know, growing up, I heard that a lot in my little country church in Georgia. And I never really understood what that meant. But I knew when they start pleading the blood, boy, this prayer meeting just got serious. Well, when people would plead the blood, this is what they were saying. They were saying, I am applying the blood of the Lamb of God to whatever situation I'm praying about. Just like Moses applied the blood of a lamb to the doorpost during the Passover and it caused him to overcome death. People in prayer and faith believing, they would apply the blood of Jesus to their circumstances and situations. They would apply the blood over their children. They would plead the blood over their homes. They would plead the blood over their church. They would plead the blood of Jesus over their finances and over any challenges or difficulties they were facing. They would plead the blood and God would work in their situation. And let me tell you something today. It is time for the people of God to once again begin Pleading the blood because we put up with things that Jesus died to set us free from. I'm just telling you right now. We put up with this stuff because we're not living by faith. Faith keeps us covered by the blood of the Lamb. And just as Moses applied the blood to his doorpost and the doorpost of every Israel home, we can plead the blood over any and every situation that comes our way. We can plead the blood when things don't make sense. We can plead the blood over discouraging situations. We can plead. I'm trying to tell you how to pray today. We can plead the blood over sickness and disease. We can plead the blood over every attack from the enemy. You know, there was an old song we used to sing when I was growing up uh, that had a line in it that said, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And the choir would point their finger to the ground and they would sing it. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Come on, anybody know that song? Yeah, Satan, the blood of Jesus do, do is against you. Yeah, that's the part where everybody would start shouting. Because listen to me, sometimes you need to remind the devil that the blood of Jesus is against him. And it doesn't matter what he's come up with to stop you and hinder you and attack you because you are covered by the blood of the Lamb. When we plead the blood, we receive the power that's in that blood, and it's the power of Jesus to move in miraculous ways. And I'm going to say it again. Some of you need to introduce this language into your prayer time. And I know it might seem silly to you, but I'm telling you, there's power in it. You need to start saying, I plead the blood of Jesus. You need to, by faith, begin to plead the blood. When you start living in the power of the blood of Jesus, you'll start walking in the victory that he died on the cross for you to have. Some of you need to plead the blood over your past. I was talking to the Lord about this just this week. I was asking him why why some people who are believers, they are going to heaven. There's no doubt about that. But they can't seem to get past their past it has become such a hindrance to them. It's old mindsets and old belief patterns. They're stuck in shame and sin and and, and hurt, and they just can't get over it. God told me they need to apply the blood. See, faith in the blood of Jesus is what sets you free from your past. And there's no question about that. The Bible's clear about that. He accomplished victory for us when he died on the cross, but we have to apply it and by faith begin to walk it out as a new reality in Christ Jesus. So listen to me today. If you're struggling in your past sin, if you're struggling with past failure, if you just feel stuck in your past, or listen to me, if you feel like there is some sort of generational curse chasing you down, if you feel like you're living under the weight and bondage of things that your grandparents did or your parents did or anything like that, Call it out in the name of Jesus. Plead the blood over that thing and break it in Jesus' name. There is no reason for you to put up with this mess because you are a child of God. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody here today. I am. I am. Hey. You can keep on living life the way you've been living it under the foot of the devil and defeated over and over again if you want to. But I've already made up my mind that I'm a child of God. I'm the head and not the tail. Hallelujah. I'm on my way to heaven. But while I'm here, I might as well win and live in victory. That's what the blood of Jesus does. I feel like preaching today. Mm. Some of you need to plead the blood. See, this is what what the Lord showed me as I was praying about it. You've already got victory, which means the enemy's already scared of you. So all you got to do is pursue him and destroy him. There's a big difference between you trying to fight your past from the place of defeat and fight your past from the place of victory. There's a big difference. It's It's like the difference between the people of God fighting year after year with the Midianites in the book of Judges and losing and Gideon routing them and chasing them down. And I don't mean to be too graphic, but cutting all their heads off before they could even get out of dodge. That's what it looks like when you know you've got victory. You are pursuing the enemy relentlessly, and you're giving him no foothold in your life. He's got no claim on you. He's got, there's no curse strong enough to stand against the blood of Jesus Christ. You've got to get serious with it. Let me move on, because i got more I need to tell you from the life of Moses in Hebrews 11. His faith kept him covered in the blood. Here's another one. Faith created a way of escape. I'm gonna move through these quickly. Hebrews eleven twenty nine says, By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. You remember the story. When they left Egypt, the first big obstacle they came to was the Red Sea. And there wasn't no bridge, and there wasn't no boats. And so Moses is meeting with his military leaders, and they're trying to come up with a plan of action. What are we going to do to get past this Red Sea? Well, while they're meeting and talking about it, they heard the sound of horses coming after them. What was that? Well, the Egyptians, Pharaoh, had decided, I don't want to let these people go after all. So he came after them, pursuing them to take them back into captivity and slavery. And so the people start losing their minds. Oh, my goodness, they're coming back, and we're going to die out here Oh, there weren't enough graves in Egypt. You had to bring us out here to kill us. And so Moses is standing here between the Red Sea and the armies of Pharaoh, and he doesn't know what to do. So he inquired of the Lord. By the way, I think sometimes we jump into the water or we surrender to the enemy a little bit too fast. If we would just take a minute and pray about it, the Lord would show us a third option. Because that's what living by faith is. Watch. Living by faith always gives you a third option. When you live by faith, you're never really stuck. Because he will always provide a way out. And so Moses prayed and God answered him. He told him, raise up your staff over the sea. And as Moses did that, God parted the waters. He created a highway going right in the middle Of the Red Sea. The Bible says there was a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. And when the Israelites started marching through, it says they marched out on dry ground. And see, the writer of Hebrews tells us that it was by faith that that happened. Faith in God created a way of escape in what seemed like a hopeless situation. And it will be the same for you and me as well. When we live by faith, impossible situations are never as they seem. There is always a third option because you serve a God who is a miracle-working God. Faith in God allows us to believe Him for the miracle, and it allows us to receive it when it shows up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 in the Passion Translation says this, We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face, so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust Him more. Boy, I know that's right. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. When you live by faith, God always provides a way of escape. And the last part of that is important, too. That way of escape is not just a, 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 just a oh, well, I just barely made it by the skin of my teeth. And, oh, man, I'm, they're still on my tail. No, it is, victor- it is victoriously. He gives you a way out, and it leads to your victory. And that's what we're talking about today, the faith of Moses in Hebrews 11. Here's the last one. Faith caused the Lord to fight for him. Moses' faith caused the Lord to fight his battles for him, Look at it with me in Hebrews 11, 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. I want the band to come up and begin to play softly. But I want you to see what Moses said to the people because it is so full of faith. Just before they crossed the Red Sea. As the Egyptians are gaining on them, and it looks like they're about to overtake them. Moses looked at the people and said this in Exodus 14, verse 13 and 14. He said to them, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Watch this, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. See, a faith-filled person knows that when the enemy attacks a child of God, he's actually picking a fight with dad. And that's not something he really wants to do because dad don't play. He does not put up with some bully attacking his kids. He will step in and he will fight for you. And when he fights for you, guess what? You win. How do I know that? Because God has never lost a battle and he never will. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He can't lose. And so when you invite God into the situation, the battle is over before it even starts. And Moses understood that in faith. I'm not the one who decided it was time for the Hebrew children to go free. That was God's idea. I'm not the one who demanded that Pharaoh let them go. That was God. I'm not the one that led the Israelites out of Egypt into this Red Sea. That was God too. So God, this is your problem. This is your fight. They're not coming after me. They're coming after you. And God said, you know what? You're right. They are coming after me. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord moved from in front of them to behind them. And it kept the armies of Pharaoh from getting to them. And then all of a sudden, the angel lifted. They went into the sea. And God, with one crushing blow, crushed his enemies. Just like that, it will be the same for you and me too. That's what living by faith is. See, when you live by faith, you understand this is not my fight. This is God's fight. So I might as well let him fight this battle for me. Listen to me. If you feel like you've been battling and fighting to survive, why don't you just let God start fighting for you? Why don't you stop fighting against him and start letting him fight for you? How do you do that? You become a person of faith. And you let faith work in your life. You only need to be still. Some of you, I can see it in, your, in my mind right now. You're frantic. You're scared. You've got what you're trying to find. What weapons can I use? What can I do to fight this off? No, 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 no. Just put it down and stand in faith because the battle you're trying to fight is a battle that the Lord wants to fight for you. Stand still and see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Come on, stand with me and bow your heads all across the room. Everybody, close your eyes, bow your heads with me as we get ready to close today. Let me ask you a question. Based on what we read about in the life of Moses today, can you say you're really living by faith? Can you say that with assurance and certainty? I'm living by faith. Let me ask it this way. How's your prayer life? Because, see, that's where faith shows up. It shows up in our prayers. When you pray, are your prayers filled with words of faith? Words of faith in what God can do and what He's going to do? Or are your prayers dominated by how bad everything is and how miserable you are? What about your outlook on life right now? Are you seeing things through eyes of hope and faith? Or are you seeing just doom and gloom and agony? Are you seeing things through the lens of the Word of God or through the lens of Fox News? Come on, where's your faith at today? As Christians, we are called to be people of faith. This is our legacy. This is our heritage as the people of God. And this is why these stories of the heroes of faith are recorded in the New Testament. God expects His people to be people of faith because without faith, the Scripture says, it is impossible to please God. Let me ask you this. What if the only thing God is waiting on you to do is adopt a position of faith? so that he can move in your life the way that he wants to. Father, I pray over this congregation today. I pray, Lord, over each and every one of them that have heard the word of the Lord. God, and I pray that you would stir up faith, that you would build up faith in their hearts right now, God, for people that are struggling in their faith today. I pray that their faith would be encouraged in strengthening you, God, that they would get their eyes off of everything around them and put their eyes on you, Lord. They would renew you as their primary focus. God, for people that are struggling with sin and their past and things, sickness, disease, things that they've been struggling with, difficult circumstances that don't make sense, and they're in this place of struggle, God, I pray that as they plead the blood of Jesus over their lives and over their situations, that the blood would go to work for them and bring victory, God. I pray, Lord, for people who feel stuck. I pray that they would open their eyes in faith and see the way out. I pray, Lord, for people that are stuck in a battle that's not theirs to fight, God, that they would stand still and let you fight for them, Lord, that you would be God in our lives. Move in your people today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The band's going to lead us in this song in just a minute. And as they do, I want you to just worship the Lord. I want you to praise Him. I want you to have a conversation with Him, though, in a real place from your heart. And however you need to respond to this message today, I want you to do that. I want you to, if, if you feel like you have no faith, begin to praise God, and faith will increase in your life, I promise. Some of you, you need to plead the blood over your children. You need to plead the blood over a situation. You need to plead the blood of Jesus Over circumstances that you're facing. And I want you to do that today. Even if, listen, even if you have to point to the ground (laughs) and tell him, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you, do it in faith. Watch God work. Come on, let's worship him today.